Without Christ, the rock and the anchor of the soul, man is in a constant state of quandary. As a result of Christless perspective, the world's philosophers have wrestled and wrangled with three all-encompassing mysteries since and even before the concept of philosophy was framed. Those mysteries are, one, where did I come from? What is my history? Two, why am I here? What is my purpose? And three, where am I going? What is my eternal destiny? Is there even an eternal destiny? All of God's children, the born again, have these age-old questions answered the moment they are saved. The mystery is solved in a most childlike and simplistic way. One, where did I come from? All of the earth, its living creatures, and its universe were created by the God of the Bible just over 6,000 years ago. Our original parents, Adam and Eve, lived in a paradise and were immortal. However, in an act of unbelief and disobedience, Eve ate of the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam followed her pernicious ways. That day, immortality was lost. Adam and Eve were tossed out of paradise. All of their children were spiritually stillborn, dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 as the offspring of Adam and Eve, we were born wrong the first time, spiritually stillborn, and thus the need to be born again, literally born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. We were sold in sin to Satan. We need to be redeemed, thus Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Number two, why am I here? Our purpose is to live a glorious life, faithfully shouldering the cross of redemption and producing fruit that will last forever. During this journey, we will be tried and purified. Number three, where am I going? Because of the price Jesus paid on Calvary, and because I have believed upon his name, striving to follow him according to God's word, my destiny is eternal life in Christ Jesus. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The mystery is solved, and it must be so simple that a child could understand it, and it is. Is Jesus Christ the rock and anchor of your life? Have you been born again? Will today be the day your sin and shame are erased and all of Satan's bondage is broken, and I mean every single one? Will today be the day you receive the answers to the three questions that have the whole world so stumped? It will be if you follow me in this simple prompt. Ready? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said, Jonah, chapter 2, verse 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. God said, 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. God said, Psalms 96, verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. Man said, It doesn't matter what I do. As long as I believe in Jesus, I'll be saved. God's love is unconditional. Everybody knows that. Now the record. A couple of passages those subscribing to the above man-said ideals might consider. James chapter two nineteen and 20, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? First John chapter 2, verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 953, that will once again certify the glorious inerrancy of God's glorious book. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as bait for the hooks of the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. This is the 33rd feature in the God Said, Man Said, Jod and Tittle series, where we publish God proofs in rapid fashion, similar to the original God Said, Man Said proof series produced decades ago. All reasonable doubt has been destroyed. God proof number 243, Esther chapter 8, verse 8. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. The accuracy of the Bible's account of history has been incessantly mocked by the critics, but those critics have never succeeded in controverting one jot or one tittle, miracles and all, they will never succeed. Israel's ancient history confirms their moral right to this Hebrew homeland, a right that their enemies deny to this day. Dr. Paul McCoy's 468-page book, Scripture Insights from Science and Archaeology, published a list, surely not an exhaustive one, of Israel's personages recovered from seals, bully, and inscriptions. McCoy writes, Most of the seals and bully are in Robert Deutsch's messages from the past Hebrew bula from the time of Isaiah through the destruction of the first temple. House of David from the Stella of Tel Dan, fits only 2 Corinthians 9, 14 through 29, where Haziel killed both Jehoram, son of Ahab, and Ahaziah, son of Joram, and the Moabite stone. Thus, David is real. Uzziah the leper, from an ossuary in the Israel uh, Museum. Hither were brought the bones of Uzziah, do not open. Also the Tiglath-Pileser II tribute list at Azarel. Seal of Jotham, son of Uzziah. Seal of Abiah and Shebaniah, servant of Uzziah. Seal of Ahaz and Yushna, servant of Ahaz. Seal of Queen Jezebel, seal of Hezekiah. Stella of Adab and Arari III, which mentions Jehoash of Israel. Inscription above the tomb of Shebnayahu or Shebna in the Silwan village. Seal of Shebnayahu, servant of the king, Hezekiah. Menahem, king of Israel, from the Iran Stella of Tiglath-Pileser in the ninth year, 737 B.C., in the Israel Museum, also mentioned is the tribute paid in the eighth year. Seal of Manasseh, seal of Josiah, seal of Jehoiachin, ration list from his captivity at Babylon, seal of Shema, servant of Jeroboam II, Hezer, from the architrave uh, above uh, his Kidron family tomb. Seal of Abdi, servant of Hosea, king of Israel, dates to 732 to 722 B.C. Seal of Pequah, king of Israel. Ahaz, king of Judah, on a clay tablet of Tiglath-Pileser III, giving his full name is Jehoiaz. 
Bula of Ahaz, son of Jehotam, spelled Jotham in the Bible, king of Judah. Seal of Ushna, servant of Ahaz. Bula of Jemariah, uh, so, uh, son of uh, Shaphan, scribe of Josiah. Bula of Berechiah, also known as Baruch, son of Neriah the scribe, showing his fingerprint. Bula of Jeremiel, Jeremiah thirty-six twenty-six, the king's son. Seal of Sarai, son of Neriah, brother to Baruch. Seal of Azaliu, son of Meshulam. Uh, these are Shaphan's father and grandfather. Four generations are thus represented. Ring of Hanan, son of uh, Hilkiah the priest, uh, finder of the book of Deuteronomy in 622 B.C., 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Bula of Aziyahu, son of Hilkiahu, 1 Chronicles 6, verse 13, grandfather and great-grandfather of Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, verse 1. Inscription of Tobiah the Ammonite at Iraq el-Emir, Jordan. Seal of Ma'adana, the king's daughter, which king is unknown, from Jerusalem, 7th century B.C. Seals for women are rare. Seal of Elishama, servant of the king, Jeremiah 36, uh, chapter, uh, verse 12, and chapter 41, verse 1. Seal of Isaiah, servant of the king, 2 Kings 22, verse 12. Bula of Jehuchel, son of Shalemiah, son of Shobi, uh, Jeremiah 37, verse 3. The grandfather was not known before. Seal of Palta, a high government official under King Zedekiah, 596 B.C., Ezekiel 11, verse 1. Babylonian cuneiform tablet in British Museum of Nebo-Sersakim in uh, Jeremiah chapter 39, verse 3, end of quotes. This is not an exhaustive list, saints. The history found in the Holy Bible is surely certifiable. God proof number 244, Jonah chapter 115 through 17. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In regard to Jonah, it must be noted that Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, fully believed and testified of the record of Jonah, uh, comparing it to the three days he himself would be in the tomb and his resurrection from the dead in Matthew twelve thirty nine and 40. It's a shame. Someone didn't tell the Christ, who was and is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that Jonah was a fairy tale before he exposed his ignorance. Is the Bible correct? Could Jesus Christ be accurate? In the April 2005 issue of Smithsonian in a story titled Evolution on Trial, which was about the famous Dayton, Tennessee Scopes trial that occurred in 1925, the author framed some of the cries of the Bible skeptics of that day. They challenged the time that the sun stood still in the days of Joshua and Hezekiah and the idea that Jonah lived for three days in the belly of a whale. The skeptics continue to whine, but God's word continues to reign undefeated. Part of the skeptics' ridicule is focused on the idea that a whale's throat would be too narrow to swallow a mature man. That is true in regard to the blue, gray, and humpback and bowhead whales, but not the sperm whale. The following excerpt is from probe.org. The sperm whale is the largest of the toothed whales, adult males measuring over 60 feet in length. Walk into your garage and multiply the length by four. They are most prominent in the Pacific Ocean, 
but not unknown in the Atlantic and a favorite of Norwegian whalers. This whale's diet consists of giant squid, large sea bottom and midwater sharks, skates, and fishes. The sperm whale has a huge capacity in its gullet to store food. In his book, 63 Years of Engineering, Sir Francis Fox tells of a manager of a whaling station who indicates that the whale can swallow lumps of food eight feet in diameter and that in one of these whales they actually found the skeleton of a shark 16 feet in length. G.C. Alders, author of the 1946 book, The Problem of the Book of Jonah, refers to an article published in um, Bibliotheca Sacra written by G. McLosky. McLosky points out that a whale is an air-breathing animal. After the whale has taken in a large draft of food, it must expel the superfluous water immediately. All live air-breathing animals, or a man such as Jonah, would be able to breathe inside the whale's belly. McCloskey also points out that a human being could exist inside the whale in another way, and that is in the possibility that a man might reach the great laryngeal pouch, which starts from below and in front of the larynx and runs down the front of the neck onto the chest. It has thick elastic walls and a cavity quite large enough to receive a human body and to supply it with air for breathing, end of quote. Whale biology says yes to Jonah. God proof number 245, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. The charismatic experience, also known by charismatic believers as the baptism in the Holy Ghost, is initially typified by the speaking in unknown tongues. It is receiving special attention in the field of neurology, and as you should uh, suspect, once again, the full veracity of the Holy Scriptures is proven. To those unfamiliar with the concept of speaking in tongues, it is a supernatural ability directly associated with the biblical baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a God-given language of men or of angels, 1 Corinthians 13:1, for the edification of the believer and a direct channel to the ear of God. But the language is unknown to the speaker. The Apostle Paul testifies of it in 1 Corinthians 14, 8, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Speaking in tongues is perfect praise and prayer and is the function of the Holy Ghost. The cognitive use of words and phrases which take place in the brain is basically bypassed. This is exactly what science is finding out. The following news release was published by UPI November 7, 2006 under the heading, Fascinating Discovery. Brain activity declines as subjects speak in tongues. It reads, Medical scientists at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine have measured regional cerebral blood flow while subjects spoke in tongues, discovering there was decreased brain activity in the subjects during the process. We noticed a number of changes that occurred functionally in the brain, said the principal investigator, Dr. Andrew Newberg, an associate professor of radiology, psychiatry, and religious studies. Our finding of decreased activity in the frontal lobes during the practice of speaking in tongues is fascinating because these subjects truly believe the Spirit of God is moving through them to speak. Our brain imaging research shows us that these subjects are not in control of the usual language centers during this activity, which is consistent with their description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. According to the UPI report, 
The research appears in the November issue of the journal Psychiatry Research, a neuroimaging, end of quote. The lead paragraph in the November 2 UPI news track story reads, U.S. scientists in a first-of-its-kind study have found decreased brain activity in people speaking in tongues, a condition known as glossolalia. The unusual mental state is associated with some religious traditions and occurs when people appear to be speaking in an incomprehensible language, yet perceive it to have great personal meaning. End of quote. The scripture records as quoted early, earlier in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Science once again certifies the inerrancy of God's word. God proof. Number 246, Revelation 12, 9 and 12. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Could the Bible be true? Are there extraterrestrials amongst us? If so, can we communicate with them? Evolutionists are looking for extraterrestrial life, anything that may give credence to their Antichrist positions. Their search provides much of the motivation for the world's space projects. On November 16, 1974, in an attempt to contact life in outer space, the $60 million project utilizing the Arecibo radio telescope was commissioned. The undertaking that the world's largest radio telescope was commissioned to do was known as SETI, an acronym for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I have news for Arecibo. We've been contacted. The shocking truth is that extraterrestrials are operating and have been sighted all over the Earth, and the Bible, which was authored by the ultimate extraterrestrial, God Almighty, documents it. Concerning extraterrestrial operatives among us, Hebrews 13.2 records, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Concerning evil operatives, John the Beloved records in Revelations 12, 7 through 9, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. End of quote. The evolutionists have been contacted. They simply don't have ears to hear, eyes to see. The following information was listed from a 2008 issue of Answers Update. The article is titled, Talking to Aliens. The U.S. federal government, through groups like SETI, has spent hundreds of millions of dollars searching for evidence of aliens so that scientists can contact and communicate with them. An article on the website of the University of Wyoming, a tax-supported school, states, English 4050-5560, otherwise known as interstellar message composition, is the first class to enlist creative writers in a potential cosmic conversation. Funded in part by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration's uh, Wyoming Space Grant uh, Consortium, it's designed to fill a practical, if extremely theoretical, need. End of quote. Science is looking for a language with which to speak to extraterrestrials. 
This should send a shock through the halls of higher learning. Although you should expect they won't be listening, there is a language with which man can speak to extraterrestrials directly. Isaiah the prophet speaks of this extraterrestrial language in chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest whereby ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. 1 Corinthians 14.21 quotes the passage from Isaiah, referring to the supernatural ministry of speaking in tongues. It is estimated that as many as 585 million, or one out of four of the world's confessing Christians, speak in unknown tongues, which is a supernatural language that the individual speaking does not understand, but God does. 1 Corinthians 14.2 For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Romans 8, 26 and 27 speaks of this supernatural benefit. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This ability is obtained by believers when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as they did on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Jesus said the following concerning the ministry of the Holy Ghost in Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe, and my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Those of you reading this feature that would like more information on this glorious blessing should click on to the Holy Ghost series. It must be noted, of course, that believers also communicate with God through standard prayer and meditation as well. Science wants to learn to speak to extraterrestrials. The children are already there, and through the Holy Ghost language, we are able to speak to the extraterrestrial of all extraterrestrials in two-way communications as we bring praise and thanksgiving, make requests, receive instruction and comfort, and real, tangible Holy Ghost results. God proof number 247, Psalms 96, 1, and Isaiah 55, 12. O sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break, uh, break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All of creation sings literally. Consider these paragraphs from the September 2016 issue of Acts and Facts. Hearing is beautifully represented in the animal world. Experts say fin whales can hear the bleeps of other fin whales from more than 500 miles away. Some scientists even claim their hearing range is thousands of miles. Humpback whales are famous for singing songs that can last up to 30 minutes. They sing in rhyme and the songs can be heard by other male whales. It's passed along the water so that an entire ocean may have all the humpback whales singing the exact same song at the exact same time, a kind of great whale choir, end of quote. The headline of the September 2018 feature in Discover magazine reads, Hearing Nemo, and the subhead reads, How Scientists Discovered a Symphony Under the Sea, a few excerpts follow. 
Biologists have, for the most part, continued to focus on the sounds individual fish make and hear. Gradually, though, a new approach is emerging. More people are beginning to listen to the entire aquatic symphony. One such study took place off the KwaZulu natal coast of South Africa and the Indian Ocean, a short way south of the Mozambique border. Just offshore, steep canyons carve into the seabed. About 330 feet down in a cave where uh, colacanths live, a team of European researchers led by Latita Rupi wedged a small recording device into a crevice in the wall. After two months, the team fetched the device and listened to the sounds of the cave dwellers. South African biologists inside many submarines previously had visited caves in the area. They've seen hundreds of fish species living down there, including sound-making groupers, soldier fish, and toadfish. So it was perhaps no surprise when the cave recordings played back thousands of noises, many of them fish voices. But what was surprising was the patterns those voices made. These habitat soundscapes are subtly composed. Recent studies are revealing that far from this being an impromptu free-for-all, fish don't simply yell and shout however and whenever they want. They fit their voices together like an orchestra of instruments and a melodic musical score. End of quotes. Yes, all creation sings just like God said. Music is a gift from God to bless the souls of men. When one's choice of music is the music that glorifies God, that person has the added benefit of the Almighty God who inhabits the praises of his people. Listen with your heart. Sing with your might. Start your day God's way, singing. God proof, number 248, Ecclesiastes, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 7, and then Psalms 135, verse 7. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Hydrology is the science of water. Water is pivotal to life and even death, as demonstrated in the global flood in the days of Noah. Noah's detractors decry the Genesis account with foolish questions like, where did all the water go? Most are not aware that today's ocean levels are up to 400 feet higher than they were prior to the flood. If the whole world were smooth like a baseball, the waters would prevail nearly two miles atop it. The scriptures answer all the hard questions, answers only the Creator Himself would know, and give those answers thousands of years before scientists began to comprehend it all. Geologist Dr. Henry M. Morse weighs in with some interesting insights in his book, The Biblical Basis for Modern Science. The hydrologic cycle is the remarkable engine by which solar energy lifts water from the ocean through evaporation, then translates it inland by the winds, whence it condenses and falls to the land as rain, snow, or sleet, after which it runs off through the rivers and groundwater back to the ocean again. It is remarkable that tremendous quantities of water can be lifted against the force of gravity, hundreds and thousands of feet into the air, and they're suspended, until it has been moved inland where it is needed. 
because there is no agency on the earth sufficiently powerful or ingenious, God has equipped the sun 93 million miles away to do it. The oceans, of course, are much larger than they were before the flood, now containing the waters formerly above the firmament, as well as those released through the fountains of the great deep. It is these that now constitute the great storehouses of water that are essential for the operation of the water cycle, Psalms 33, verse 7. Waters are evaporated from the oceans, Psalms 135, verse 7, carried inland by the winds, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 6, caused to encounter particles of dust and sea salt to serve as nuclei of condensation, Proverbs 8:26, condensed in the liquid water droplets in the form of clouds, Job 26, verse 8, which in turn under the proper conditions coalesce and fall as rain, Job 36, 27, and 28, providing water for the maintenance of life on earth, Isaiah 55, 10, and finally returned by the rivers to the oceans from which they came, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 7, end of quotes. God proof number 249, Leviticus 5, excuse me, Leviticus 15, 2 through 13. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When any man hath a running issue out of his flesh, because of his issue he is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in his issue, whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue, it is his uncleanness. Every bed whereon he lieth that hath the issue is unclean, and everything whereon he sitteth shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that sitteth on anything whereon he sat that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that toucheth the flesh of him that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And if he that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And what saddle soever he rideth upon that hath the issue shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth anything that was under him shall be unclean until the even. And he that beareth any of those things uh, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And whomsoever he toucheth that hath the issue and hath not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And the vessel of earth that he toucheth, which hath the issue, shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing, and wash his clothes, and bathe his flesh in running water, and shall be clean. Many such verses in the Bible deal with hygiene, sterilization, quarantine, and even medical banishment that protected Israel from serious infections and communicable diseases. The following paragraphs are from J. Rubin's book, The Maker's Diet. Michael D. Jacobson, D.O., a former U.S. Army flight surgeon and family practitioner, noted that in the mid-14th century, bubonic plague wiped out one-fourth of Europe's population in just one year. It returned repeatedly over the next 250 years, killing nearly a fourth of London's population in 1603. England lost nearly half of its total population to this plague. Read history's record of how the Jewish people fared in the face of it. 
As the plague continued its scourge, it became apparent that the Jewish people were somehow escaping its death grip. This led many to persecute them. People concluded that it was the Jews who were responsible for the plague, since they were the only ones who were not dying. The truth is that, hundreds of years prior to the discovery of bacteria, the Jews were protecting themselves from the deadly Yersinia pestis microbe by practicing cleanliness and good hygiene more than 3,000 years before man discovered bacteria. The Creator had given detailed instructions that, if followed, would prevent the spread of such a deadly communicable disease, end of quote. Because God's commandments are the inerrant truth, obeying them yields the blessing of doing the right thing. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Jonah 2, verse 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. God said, 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. God said, Psalms 96, verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. Man said, It doesn't matter what I do. As long as I believe in Jesus, I'll be saved. God's love is unconditional. Everybody knows that. Now you have the record. 